our own community. Just asking myself, not really knowing all that Gene was going to share, what's our purpose? And I started to um, add up some numbers. I have some personal friends that I meet with that are pastors, um, great guys that I, that, I, that I really appreciate a lot. We get together once a month and, and we pray for ministry, pray for church. And so I said to him, could you just send me the numbers of well, who attended your churches the last, just numbers-wise, the last two weeks, Easter weekend and last weekend? And so I got all those numbers together, and those numbers total Wait a minute, I got my, my screen blank here. Okay. Let me take this out. This is going to distract me. I got those numbers together, and there's 8,007 people attended church in Highlands County Easter weekend and last weekend. I'm guessing and I just did with my numbers, around 90,000 people live in Highlands County around this time of the year. So if you add those numbers together, that gives you 180,000. And you subtract 8,007 from that, and you get 171,993 people that were not in church last two weekends. 171,993. Now, obviously, I didn't go to all the churches and count up all the numbers. So I just asked myself the question of those 171,993 individuals, where would they spend eternity? Will they be in heaven or will they be in hell? And it brought me to the question to my own self is, what is my purpose? And it brought me to a time of thinking, you know what, I only have so much time left on this earth. So what am I going to do with my time? And I know the verses, and you probably know the verses as well, Matthew chapter 28, 19 and 20, you're supposed to go into all the world and make disciples. Luke what we read this morning is no surprise to you. The fields are wide on harvest. That's nothing new. But what are you doing with your time? I just wondered if we've been distracted, you know, maybe by Facebook or I thought about us guys we get distracted by our garage and what's in the garage. Not so much how cluttered that it is because it will always be pretty cluttered. But what is the stuff that's inside the garage that gives us values? And then I, if I, get, I have the picture of a, of a closet for you ladies. And there seems to be lots of shoes in those closets. If it's anything true like my house. So I just wondered, what would be your distraction? What would be your purpose? Because I know in my own soul 
that I'm not responsible for 171,993 people. I'm not responsible for those people. And this is not going to be a time where I'm going to try to whip you up and say, okay, now look, you need to go out and start knocking on doors and you know, you need to go out and get your sign and say, you know what, it's time for you to repent, you're going to hell. I'm not going to do that. But I want to take you to a passage of Scripture in Luke chapter 5, and we've talked about it a little bit before, but it just, it, it jumped off the page of me this week as I was thinking about this time that we would have together. Thinking about distractions. And I realized over the years, involved in churches, you know, you get these big evangelistic spiels and people feel bad and then you're like well you know lord i'm not an evangelist and i can't share the gospel like so and so can and then we feel guilty for a week or two weeks and then we just go back to our distractions we go back to whatever comes comfortable what comes natural to us but i was reminded of these verses in matthew chapter 5 Specifically in verse 31, Jesus answered them. It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. And I think you need to circle the word or highlight the word call. And the reason I want you to circle that word or think of that word it is not your responsibility to call somebody to repentance. It's Jesus' responsibility. And so what that does is, that levels the playing field. Because there are people that are more natural that can just walk up to somebody and start a conversation. And there are introverted people. And then there's people that we used to call around churches, the hellfire and brimstone people. They can let you have it. And there's those type of people But as I think about 171,000 people, I think about myself, God, what's my responsibility? God, if you're calling someone to repentance, it's not my responsibility. And that's why I don't like somebody holding up a sign saying, repent, you're going to hell. Never once I've seen anybody walk up to them and say, hey, thank you for telling me that. Could you tell me really what you want to say to me now? Or how can I change in this process? I don't see that. But what's interesting to me and fascinating to me is is you can go to Afghanistan and an individual that's flying airplanes has the opportunity to disciple somebody and that person knows when they are found out that they are a Jesus person, that their life will be considered lost, they might be killed, they're not willing to walk away from Jesus. He said, 14. 14 people that have been called by God came to this missionary and said, let me talk to you about something. His name is Jesus. He came and he died on the cross for our sins. A few days later, he rose again. That individual, whatever their names were, said, you know what, Jesus, we believe. Jesus, we're going to accept this gift of salvation. We're going to put our trust in you, knowing that when they said yes to Jesus, their life on earth was over. Knowing I live in a society where more people spend time in Facebook than they do with their Bible. Knowing that I live in a community 
that our garages are more important than 171,000 people. Knowing that I'm living in a, in a time in life that 85% of churches have plateaued or started to decline. 85% of churches have plateaued or started to decline. 14% of church growth are transfers from another church. Think about that. So somebody might be going, oh, look, our church is growing. Oh, we got more people here this week than we had last week. Where'd they come from? From another church. 85% of churches, think through this now, 85% of churches in America are plateaued or started to decline. 1% of church growth in America, 1% of church growth in America are new believers. 1%. 14 people in Afghanistan died because they said yes to Jesus. $500 billion has been spent over on ministry in the United States in the last 15 years with no real statistic of true growth that impacted the church. $500 billion. During the last 10 years combined, membership of all Protestant denominations has decreased by 9.5% while the national population has increased 11.4%. If you like numbers and you do calculations, that means that we've lost about 5 million members. Seminary professor at Denver Seminary says, the average Christian spends five minutes a day in prayer. The average pastor spends seven minutes. Less than 5% of churches have significant prayer ministry. I was reading a book that Daniel Henderson wrote and he and this is a quote from one of his books. I remember hearing Jim Simbola say that he did not want to stand before Christ someday and say to the Lord, look what I did for you. Instead, he longed to fall on his face and cry out, thank you, Lord, for what you did through me. And so we've gathered this morning in a building. We call it Bible Fellowship Church Family. And we're at a, at a point in our life that I think we need to maybe have a wake-up call. Or if you're in the Patterson household, you'd be call that a come-to-Jesus meeting. A time for the we stop and really evaluate what are my priorities. What are the things that really mean something to you? What's amazing to me is we live in a society where 
We have churches. We have seminaries. We have Bible colleges. We have missionaries. We have those people that call themselves Christians. And we have the internet. But yet the church in America is in the decline. So if you have your Bible, go to Luke chapter 10. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send workers into the harvest field. And what's fascinating to me this morning as we've gathered is, I was reminded that earlier this morning that when Gene came to Florida, he came to even high school. And Gene could have just said, you know what, I'm going to come to Seaview High School and I just want to go to I just want to go to Bible Fellowship Church. I just I just want to go to church. But Gene didn't do that. See, God placed something in Gene's heart. He wanted to get to know people. He wanted to develop a relationship with people. And I don't know if Gene was thinking about this verse, you know, the Lord of the harvest, send out workers. Gene would just say, you know, Lord, I just want to get involved. And over time, Gene got involved with a family, with a husband. He gave that husband opportunities to fly. But the most important thing that Gene did was when he went into that home of that man, he gave that man a very simple gospel presentation. There's this guy that I know, his name is Jesus. And that Jesus died on the cross for you. And that Jesus wants to pay your sin penalty. Why didn't Gene just say, you know what, let's just fly today. Let's just go have lunch today. Let's go check out the new airplane. Let's just go see what's in the garage Let's just go for a boat ride. Let's just go do this. Because, see, you know what? Gene had something inside of him. He wanted this man, over time, developing a relationship, to say yes to Jesus Christ. You know what's amazing? That man's life has radically changed. Now that man has grandchildren. They're awesome to watch. He didn't get distracted. He didn't say, you know, it's, I could really make a whole lot more money flying if I go fly for Delta or, or Southwest. And I'm not saying that's bad. But whatever the, the distractions could have been, Gene said, you know what, I'm not going to allow those things to be my distraction. Because there's a man that's sitting across from me that needs to save There's a man sitting across from me that 
he had no idea that this man was going to have cancer two different times. But Gene wanted this guy to know that when he, whatever life circumstance was sent his way, he could stop and ask Jesus for help. Now that man's found his soul being fed by the Word of God. And so this morning as you you join us, I have another number for you. 87,989. 87,989. That's how many people I estimate that are not in church today. Does that bother you? The last thing you said on the video... Eternity is a long time. Eternity is a long time. As I say that, why aren't those people in church? I don't know. Why don't they know Jesus? I don't know. I don't have the answers. But you know what I've found this week? It doesn't matter how many millions of dollars the church spends in America. You can't do it through a program. It ain't going to work. 500 billion... 15 years, and we have not seen any measurable growth. 500 billion. I think that's a lot of money, don't you? So as I was involved with um, Daniel Henderson this week, and Daniel, Daniel, I'm part of a coaching group with Daniel, and before he even said anything, we, we meet on Thursdays, and he said to me, he said to all of us, there's like six or eight of us, he says, I think y'all need to pray in your churches this Sunday morning and ask God to do something different. And you can blame me if it doesn't work. But see, I'd already thought about it beforehand. Because I came to the realization this week, we're going backwards. And you know me, I don't really, I don't know how many people were in church last week. I don't know. Numbers are not a big deal to me. You know what's a big deal to me? There's empty seats around you. And there's 87,000 people in our community that, don't know, that aren't in church. I don't know if they know Jesus or not. I'm just saying there's 87,000 that most likely are not in church this weekend. So what are we going to do about it? Well, we're not going to spend more money. We're not going knocking on doors. We're not buying a sign and putting it on the side of the road. I don't think any of those things are wrong. I do want to say thank you for putting the cross at that YMCA facility. 
I don't want to say thank you for the words that are next to the cross. Blesses my heart every time I drive by. But I know what, you know what I think we need to do? We need to ask for help. When was the last time you ever asked for help? Probably been a while, hasn't it? Because you're an American. You know what's typical of Americans? They're very proud, arrogant people. We don't need any help. We can figure this out. All I know is 87,989 people just might need a savior. Just might need somebody to come sit in their living room after they develop the relationship and said, hey, it's pretty simple. Jesus died on the cross for your sin. If you have your Bible, I want you to go to Acts chapter 1. Most of you have been around church for a long time. You know this verse. But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Your power to be a witness doesn't come from you. Comes from the Holy Spirit. But you know what you need to do? Ask for help. It's okay. Guys, you're not weak if you ask for help. It's not bad to ask for directions. It's not. Because guys and women. If we don't ask for help, I'm guessing that next year that number is not going to be 87,998. It's going to be more. When I mean we ask for help, that we stop as a family, a corporate group of people. And I know you tell me, well, we'll, we'll pray in our homes. Go for it. I'm all for it. But I think we need to pray as a group, corporately, this morning, saying, Jesus, we need your help to reach one more person. And when I say we need help, what I'm thinking is, in my heart, is, God the Father, would you bring somebody to this family so that we could have the privilege of introducing them to your son, Jesus Christ? That's what I want to do. I want God the Father to say, you know what, this family will sit down with people and have a conversation with them about a new person, about Jesus. I'm for developing relationships. I'm for talking about the masters. I'm for going out to lunch. I am really get excited about going out for ice cream. I'm for all of those things, okay? But don't let those be a distraction. 
our investment needs to get to. Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? Do you know my Savior? Because you know what my Savior offers? Hope. My Savior offers eternal life. My Savior offers when you face cancer, He will be beside you. When you face heartache, is there anybody in here that's never faced heartache? So where did you go for hope? Think about that. If we've all faced heartache, where does the 87,989 go for hope? Where do they go? They go visit Mr. Budweiser. They go find an annex. They go find marijuana. And the list goes on and on. But there's only one person that will provide hope. His name is Jesus Christ. And so this morning, I'm going to ask us to stop as a family. And maybe one or two of you might want to pray. But I want us to stop this morning as a family and ask our Father for help. Father, we need you. You, I think, will make it, most of you. Now, one thing that is very scaring to me, and the more that I read, 50% of people sitting in buildings like this are on their way to help. That's scary to me. 50%. So just wipe out that half of the church. Gone. That's what statistics say. Now, maybe we're better than statistics, but that's something that I think about as a pastor. What half, or maybe our percentage might be 65%. It's not good enough. 75%, it's not good enough. 95%, it's not good enough. My passion is for us to have 100%. That when you die, I want to see you again. But when you face difficulties, I want you to have hope. And I can't provide that. And we can't provide that. And no class will provide that. Only he provides that. But you have to accept him. You have to receive him. So this morning, if you've never said yes to Jesus... The provision was demonstrated to you two weekends ago. Most of the world calls it Easter weekend. I call it Resurrection weekend. My Savior came and died. He hung on a cross. Three days later, He rose again. And I have hope today. That's a fact in history. But just because I know that as a fact does not mean I'm a believer. What makes me a believer is I responded to that demonstration of love. I said, yes, I believe. Now I'm a Christian because I believe. And you know what God's going to do for me? 
He will provide hope for me every day of my life. Going all the way back when Paul Patton scared me half to death in an airplane because he turned the motor off. And I said to him, why would you turn off a perfectly good working airplane? <laughs> you know why he did it? Because he wanted to scare me half to death. And then you know what he did? That night at youth, he told me about hell. I said, Paul, I'm not going there. Ever since I've been a worthy bird, as crazy as that is, I've had hope. I want that for you. I want the eight. I want the number next year not to be 87,989, even if it's just one more. Just one more, God. Take it 87,987 or 86 or 85, whatever the number. Because we'll never know. But what I'm telling you, the fields are wide on the harvest in Ion County. I don't want us to stop this morning and ask for help. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. We are as witnesses, but the power doesn't come from you and I. It comes from the Holy Spirit. So I'll start, and maybe one or two of you might want to join me and just ask the Holy Spirit for help. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to gather. So, Father, you know the ones that in our, in our community that are sitting at home this morning. You know the reasons why. So, Father, I'm asking you for help. Father, would you please bring them here? Not just the Bible Fellowship Church, but there's a lot of great churches in our community. Just take them to a church somewhere. That people care enough about developing relationships with them. That people care enough about opening their Bibles and say, hey, I want to introduce you to Jesus. I want to have a conversation with you so you have hope for the rest of your life. Because eternity is a long time. So Father, I ask that you would draw people here. And Father, in drawing them to here that we wouldn't look around and become proud about how many people attend our, our family. That, Father, we would have a passion to look around and see the empty seats that we would fall on our face before you each week and say, Father, please fill it, the empty seat, with somebody that we can introduce to your son, Jesus. Thank you, Father, for this opportunity stop and think about our own personal life, our own personal community. Thank you for the video. Father, I pray for that family. God, that you would just give them great strength.
Father, for the next person in Afghanistan that says yes to you. Father, you give them dying strength. Because it's going to cost them their life when they say yes to you. Maybe you're here this morning and you just like to say, maybe just pray and ask the Father for help. Not for you specifically, but for our family. Father, would you help our family? Anybody else like to pray?